Welcome to another Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast. This is David Campfield, and I'm recording this on Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. And in the program today, I wanted to talk about the parable of the sower and, and about a particular aspect of that parable. I was looking at the Gospels today, and I was just convicted by that. Now, recently, of course, I, uh, we've had a couple programs that dealt with the struggle of the children of Israel to leave Egypt. And as we saw then, Pharaoh signifies, of course, Satan as the ruler of this world, John 12, 31. But he's not just the ruler of this world outwardly, in an outward way. He's also the one who is within us. There's a Pharaoh within each and every human being and within each and every believer who is struggling to keep us in bondage to the world system. Just telling us, you have to try to gain more in the world. You have to make a career in the world. You have to try to build up something in the world. And of course, he's always cracking the whip over us, driving us, driving us, driving us to, 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 to be occupied with the worldly things and to acquire things in the world. Well, you need to have a proper living in the world. But our living should not be for the world. We should not, the purpose of our, living, of our living should not be to gain the good of this world. But the Pharaoh within us tries to make it seem like that's how our, we should spend our life. And so the power of that Pharaoh within us has to be broken. Because when his power is broken, then we are those who leave the world system and are, can be useful to God to build up his dwelling place on the earth, just as when the power of Pharaoh was broken over the Israelites in the Old Testament, they left Egypt and they built up God's dwelling place in the wilderness. Praise the Lord for that. God cannot build up his dwelling place with believers who are living under the authority of Satan in his world system, just as the Israelites could not build up God's dwelling place in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh wouldn't allow it. And Satan won't allow us to build the church today if we are living under his authority. So we have to come out from under his authority. Well, whether or not we come out of the world system, and of course I'm speaking in a moral sense, we have to live in the world. We have no choice about that physically. And we have to take care of our practical needs. We have to live a decent, proper life. But morally speaking, to come out of the world depends on how we deal with our heart before the Lord. In 1 John, and again I spoke about this when we were sharing about uh, Exodus, when John, the Apostle John talks about the world, he doesn't talk about outward things. You know, you can't have this, you can't have that. In 1 John 2.16, he says, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So these are things that are within us. These, it's a much deeper dealing with the Lord than just saying you can't have this, you can't have that. It is our heart inwardly that needs to be dealt with. Then we can be those who love the Father and love the Lord instead of loving the world. And at that point, the Lord can use us for his building. And so that's why the parable of the sower is so significant, because it's probably in the whole Bible the most significant picture of the different kinds of heart we may have toward the Lord. Now, I want to stress this parable, and you find it in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This parable is not talking about whether or not you are a saved person. Uh, because the teaching in Christianity today is so shallow, I think a lot of Christians may have that concept. Of course, in the parable, there's four types of ground, and only uh, in the first three types of ground, no fruit is produced. Only the last type of ground produces fruit. And so some believers may have this shallow concept that it, 
if, if you don't bear fruit, therefore you're not actually a saved person. No. This parable is talking about the kind of heart we may have primarily as the believers in Christ and whether or not we are dealing with our heart. After we're saved, after we're, we're born again, the Lord has so much work to do in us as the believers in Christ. And this, is, uh, this parable is warning us about some of the things in our heart that can hinder the Lord from doing the work that he needs to do. So I'll, I'll just go through the parable very quickly as kind of an overview. And we've also covered this parable more in depth in earlier podcasts. And again, I'll link to those in the program description. So I don't want to go into the parable as a whole in this program. I just want to touch on this one aspect that really convicted me. So as I said, you can find this parable in each of the three synoptic Gospels, but we'll look at it basically in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, You can find it there in uh, Matthew chapter 13 from verses 1 to uh, verses 23. So in this uh, parable, the Lord uh, talks about a sower who goes out to sow, and he sows the word. And the, the, this, this word that he's sowing falls on four different types of ground. And the first type of ground is the wayside, which is packed down because of, there's so much traffic. And the seed doesn't get into the ground there. The birds come and take the seed away. And the second type of ground, the seed that's sown on the rocky places. So there's a little soil for the seed to get into there. So it does take root and it grows up. But as soon as the sun comes, the fruit is scorched in the it withers away. Then the third type of ground is the ground that is covered with the thorns, and the seed gets sown in there, and the thorns grow up, and they choke the seed, and again, it's unfruitful. And then finally, you have the good earth, and that's where it bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So that's the first, that's the Lord basically just telling the parable in the first part of Matthew 13. And then he goes on and he explains it. So in Matthew 13, verse 19, he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, the evil one comes and takes away what was sown in his heart. This is the sowing beside the way. So this type of ground signifies those who do not receive the word. These are the ones who are not saved. Satan comes and takes away. The evil one, it says here in Matthew, comes and takes away the word that was sown in his heart. So nothing is produced there. So this signifies the people who are not saved. And it's very striking. The picture here earlier in the parable is that this was the seed sown by the way. In other words, there's a lot of worldly traffic and that causes their heart to become hard. Just like when there's a way in the world, people keep walking on the same path. That ground becomes hard. Nothing can get into it. So the people who are so occupied with the world, the the Lord can't even get into them in the first place. Very, very sober warning. So that's the first type of ground. The second type of ground is what's sown on the rocky places. And these are the believers, as the Lord explains in verse 20, he says, this is he who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But he does not have root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise up because of the word, he is soon offended. So these are ones who do receive the word. They are saved, but they only persevere for a little while. As soon as any kind of offense comes in or if they have to pay a price to follow Christ, they get offended and they fall away from the Lord. And of course, this is, sorry to say, the case with many of those real believers. They're real believers, but uh, they weren't able to endure with the Lord for any length of time. So that brings us to the third type of ground. And this is the one, this is the aspect of the parable that really spoke to me when I looked at it this morning. Now, here's the Lord's explanation in Matthew 13, verse 22. He says, that's sown in the thorns. This is he who hears the word. 
But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And this is a very, very sober warning for those of us who have been following the Lord for some time. Of course, you could say we've passed the first couple of tests. We did receive the word. We're not like those who, who, who wouldn't believe in the Lord at all. We did receive the word. Praise the Lord for that. And if we've been following the Lord for some time, that indicates that we weren't stumbled by uh, afflictions and tribulations early on in our pursuing of the Lord so that we fell away from the Lord like so many have. We've been faithful to follow the Lord for a number of years. The danger we face is not, not the danger of not receiving the word or of being stumbled at least by a general kind of persecution. Of course, we always had to pray the Lord would keep us in the hour of temptation. But the basic temptation so many of us who have been following the Lord for so long face is what the Lord talks about here with the seed that is sown on the thorny ground. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And again, this is how Satan keeps us or tries to keep us in his world system with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Just as Pharaoh sought to keep the children of Israel in bondage in the world system. Now, I want to stress again, I cannot give you a formula for not loving the world. What I can do here is just point out this is something we have to be so exercised about before the Lord. Again, what the world is to you is very different from what the world is to me. The kind of things my heart gets drawn to will be different from you. So the world is what the world is is unique to each one of us. And if you so if you try to set up a law that not loving the world means don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, that's it's it's outward and it becomes just a legal system. To genuinely not love the world means we are really dealing with our heart before the Lord. And that's all in this podcast. What I'm hoping is to encourage you to be so exercised before the Lord about these matters, about the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. You know, again, when I, when I say we leave the world, we can only leave it in a moral sense. We have to live in the world. We have to know how to deal with the world in such a way that it does not occupy our heart, but that our heart can be the good ground for the Lord to accomplish his purpose. You know, I think I'm not a gardener, but I'm, I'm sure any gardener knows, you know, you always have to be looking for these weeds that are growing up and trying to choke the uh, plants in the ground. And it's the same thing with our heart. All throughout our life, we have to be dealing, dealing, dealing with the Lord about the things that would turn us away from him. Now, if you look at the, uh, the, the sister verse in Mark in the same parable, he says the same thing. He talks about the cares of this age. This is in Mark chapter 4, verse 19. The cares of this age and the deceitfulness of riches. But he adds this, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. We have to be so careful. We're human beings. We have desires for sure. If you don't have any desire, you know, you're you're just not even a human being. But if these desires really occupy us, they can choke the word so that it becomes unfruitful. We have to be so careful about that. And in Luke 8.14, in that same case, it says, And that which fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring nothing to maturity. So Luke adds this matter of the pleasures of this life. And of course, just to explain, of course, the Lord spoke in Aramaic or Hebrew. I think the scholars are not quite sure which, which language. They might disagree about that a little bit. 
But the Gospels were written in Greek. So the, the Gospels are a translation of the Lord's word. And so they bring out different aspects of the Lord's meaning under the Holy Spirit's sovereignty. So when you look at these different parables, you're, you're getting different aspects of the Lord's meaning in each of these parables. It becomes much, much richer. So Luke adds this matter of the pleasures of this life. But the Lord's not saying here that you can't have any kind of pleasure in this life or any kind of enjoyment. You, you, otherwise, we just become ascetics or become monks. Uh, that's not to, to live a human life. But we have to be careful, again, how we deal with these pleasures to make sure they're not what occupy us, what we're not really focusing our life on. We have to be so careful to deal with the Lord about our heart in this regard. And again, I wish I could tell you, here's a formula for how to deal with the world. I can't because it's unique to each one of us. So there's no outward regulation I can give you for not loving the world. The people who try to do that just set themselves up as lawgivers and they don't help anybody. It just becomes a kind of an outward uh, law that is of no use really in, in not indulging the flesh. But inwardly, we do need to deal with our heart before the Lord in a very serious, very sober way to be the proper ground. Only then can we have be that fourth type of ground to go back to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 13, 22. That's sown in the good ground. This is he who hears the word and understands. Unlike the first one, the, the, Satan came and snatched away the seed because the, the person didn't understand. But the good type of ground, it says, that which is sown in the good ground, this is he who hears the word and understands who indeed bears fruit and produces some indeed a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. We should all aspire to be this type of person because each one of us has all these different types of ground within us. But it's as we deal with ourselves and deal with our heart before the Lord that we become the good ground to produce the kind of fruit the Lord is really looking for. And then the Lord can really use us to gain his dwelling place on the earth. But as I say, my, my real burden in sharing this has to do with that third type of ground, the, the ground where the thorns come up and choke the word, because I think so many of us are in this situation. We're not adequately dealing with the world, with the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things and the pleasures of this world, as these parables spell out. Instead, uh, these things are choking the word so that it becomes unfruitful in us. So we need to be so careful and so much more exercised before the Lord about that, that we would not be choked and kept from bearing the fruit that the Lord desires to have, and which we should surely desire to have before the Lord. I want to be one who's so fruitful to the Lord. At least that's my goal, my aspiration. Lord, I want to, when I see the Lord, I want to be able to say, Lord, I have some fruit for you to enjoy. Praise the Lord for that. And that comes from having a proper heart before the Lord. It's interesting, it's not so much the outward things that produce the fruit, it's having a proper heart that gives the Lord the ground to grow something from within us. So that's the kind of aspiration that we should have. Now, as I was preparing to share on this, uh, I was just reminded of what uh, John Darby's comments about Lot leaving Abraham in Genesis chapter 13. It's a very, very convicting passage that he has in his synopsis. And it just, I, it just felt to me, Lot here is a picture of one like this third type of ground where the, the cares of this life choke the words, words so it, that it becomes unfruitful. So I wanted to look at that and consider that just as a picture of this third type of ground. And so in, in Genesis chapter 13, this is uh, after uh, Abram comes back from Egypt with Lot and with uh, Sarai, his wife. And, uh, and then there's a contention between Lot's herdsmen, herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen. 
And eventually Abraham says, look, uh, the land can't support us both. So we're going to have to split up. And so then Lot has to make his choice about where he wants to go. So in Genesis chapter 13, verse 9, Abraham says, Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And listen to this. Verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. So this was Lot's choice. He looked at the land there, and it seemed so good. And it wasn't far from Canaan. It was not far from Canaan. It was the plain of the Jordan. It says it's well watered everywhere. It looks so good and so luscious. But even here it says it mentions the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's very, very significant. Even as Lot made his choice, it was saying that destruction is coming. And it said it looked like the garden of the Lord. It looked so pleasant. The garden of the Lord. Such a good choice it seemed. Like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. So they had just come back from Egypt. And it seems like Lot still longed for that. And he saw this area that reminded him of Egypt. And he chose that portion for himself. So listen to what Darby says about this choice. Very, very convicting statement here. This is from Darby's synopsis, of course, on Genesis 13. If you have the Believer's Bookshelf edition of that in Volume 1, it's on page 49. Or if you're looking at it online or in another edition, just look for the Darby's comments in Genesis chapters 13 and 14. So Darby says that after they had come back from Egypt, Lot had done so with Abram, but his inward heart and will clung to the ease of it. Abram had returned in spirit genuinely, perhaps with a deeper experience to his pilgrim portion in Canaan. Yet the advantages he possessed in it led to the difficulty, in other words, all the riches he'd acquired, all the herds and flocks. He was a very wealthy man. So again, I would say, not loving the world is not a matter of our outward situation so much as it is of our heart inwardly. What is our heart toward the Lord? What occupies our heart? The advantages Abraham possessed in the land led to the difficulty, for treasure here is not heaven, even if it, the possessor of it be heavenly-minded, an important lesson. Still, Abram behaves beautifully. And here's what he says about Lot. Lot chooses the world. Fair in appearance. Remember what that verse says? And again, I'd encourage you to look at that. It's Genesis chapter 13, verse 10. Very striking verse. Lot chooses the world, fair in appearance, not as Egypt, the world as such, but as self-ease. And what did not seem was not outwardly separated from Canaan, but which was soon after the seen and object of what did not yet appear, the sure judgments of God. And of course, the judgment that Darby is talking about here is the judgment that came not long after on Sodom and Gomorrah. The terrible, terrible judgment. Even though at the time Lot made his choice, the land there seemed so wonderful, the judgment had already been decided. As, as Darby puts it, the sure judgment of God was coming. And that's exactly uh, the situation of the world today. It may look so fair, it may look so pleasant, but we have to see through that false appearance because God's judgment on the world has already been determined. It's going to happen. If we don't see through its false appearance, we'll be attracted to it and drawn into it and deceived by it. And to some extent, we will share then the judgment 
on the world, just as Lot had to share in that judgment. So it's crucial that we really see the world for what it is today, not according to its false appearance. Then we'll be saved from being caught in the world in the way that Lot was caught in Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, this is Lot's choice in Genesis chapter 13. In Genesis chapter 14, Lot's taken captive by the powers that be in that area of the world. And here's what Darby says about that. The scene soon changes. What is linked with the world must suffer its vicissitudes. And that means its ups and downs. Whatever you give yourself to the world, you have to go through the ups and downs that you find in the world. There's just no avoiding it. And finally, he says, Lot suffers from the iniquity by which he is surrounded and undergoes the ravages of the power of the world, of which Abram is the victor, and of which he will receive nothing to enrich himself. Such are the just discipline and faithful ways of God. So in other words, because Lot chose the world, he suffered from the worldly powers as God's just discipline and a part of his faithful ways in dealing with his believers. And I think so many believers may say this really matches their experience. Whenever we choose the world, instead of following the Lord, we realize we're suffering in the world in just the way the worldly people do, and we're also under the Lord's discipline to try to help separate us out from the world once again. So I'm just convicted by that statement from Darby. As I said, it just seems to me to match that third type of soil that we as uh, believers who have been in the Lord for some time have to be so careful about uh, in terms of dealing with our heart, dealing with the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, and the pleasures of life, dealing with all these things in a proper way so that we can have a heart that is good ground for the Lord to really grow something and develop something within us. As Luke, it says in Luke, to bring fruit to maturity. That should be the desire all of us have. We want to be those who bring fruit to maturity for the Lord, but that can only happen when we deal with our heart thoroughly and in a proper way before the Lord. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. For more resources, you can visit thechristianfaith.org, which is my website. If you'd like to receive my e-letter, just click on the subscribe link there and enter your email address. And to connect with us by email, just send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in his way for his sake and his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.